Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out and give us all your money at westminstereffects.com. I am here with... This is Bradley Cox. I'm the lead pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. As well and as... I'm John... Ugh, we missed it, it up. <laughs> and I'm John Ross. Westminster. is... <laughs> one of those days, guys. <laughs> you, you just have to keep this in there. At, at all right. Yeah, and I'm John Ross, Westminster Effects artist and theology nerd from Lincoln, Nebraska. I think that's one we're going to go with from now on. I think that uh, not the theological curmudgeon. That's disappointing. But anyway, you can continue to mention it every episode. That'll fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and joining us today is Jason Houtsma of Worship Artistry. What's up, Jason? And it's good to be here, guys. I'm Glad nervous. To have you on. Why are you nervous? <laughs> I was just uh, just listening to your like your intellectual discussions. Yeah, I'm like I just play guitar, guys. <laughs> well, well, I guess good for you that we aren't uh, we aren't delving too deep into the weeds of parsing out Greek verbs and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but we do want to hear about worship artistry. How did that start in the first place? Um, man, you know it was it was the kind of thing where I had a the guy who was the guitar player at my church growing up. So when I was a kid, I'd watch him just up there and he, he wouldn't move, but he would just close his eyes and he would just kill it on the guitar. And so, you know, and I was that 15 year old kid, you know, I was the one that was always popping up like, what, what are you playing there? You know, what, what kind of amp is that? You know? <laughs> and, uh, he was always just, uh, super sweet. He used to let me use all his gear, like, you know, just really made it so that I could do that. And, um, years later, you know, now I've, I've been, I've been a worship pastor. I've been a guitar teacher for 15 years or so at this point. And, uh, he was traveling through Bellingham and I was like, Oh, we got to have you over for dinner. And so he, uh, he, he was sitting across from me and, and he said, you know, I would really love it if I just had like a website where I could go and I could learn the guitar parts of the songs that I need to play. Cause now I'm getting, he's like, back in the day, it was just like, yeah, here's the song. Here's a chord chart. And everybody would just, he would just play. Right. And right. so now it's like, no, they want me to learn this part and they want me to learn this part. And I like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, like a Swiss banker. I don't have time to work on all that stuff, or, you know? So, uh, so he's like, I always just wish there was a website like that would teach that. And I was like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. And then we go on with the conversation and then like, you know, 20 minutes later, he'd be like, but I'll tell you, if this website existed, I would just really love it. And I was he like, was, yeah, he yeah, was I'd, just trying, he was just trying to <laughs> nicely bait you into actually taking that. Right. He full on inceptioned me. Like, right there. Yes. He, uh, he, you know, so we ended up, so, so finally, like, it was the third or fourth time at dinner. And I said, and, and I'd literally just like two months ago, I had decided, like, I was done with music. I'd been doing it for years. I had two little kids. I was like, I can't keep trying to make a living at this. God, like, I, I get it. It's time to move on. And, uh, and so I had, I'd literally just laid down music. I'd been, I'd been in worship bands. I'd been, uh, teaching guitar forever. I'd, tried to do the label thing like everything and i was like i'm done i'm gonna go help this guy out at a concrete company so anyways i'm sitting across from this guy and uh he's, he's talking about this to me and i'm like well you know what you'd want to do if you did want to do it it would look like this <laughs> and so then i like went off here's your it. future by the way right and then he as he he's walking out the door he goes you know if you uh if you if you were ever interested in doing that i'd you know i'd be interested in, in investing so think about it and let, let's talk about it. And um, you guys got to realize like at the time, so this was 
eight, eight or nine years ago. Like there, like there was basically people with no heads or legs on YouTube. Like that was all that existed in the, yeah. in, in the teaching world. And I'd been teaching guitar professionally for, you know, 15 years. So I understand teaching. I, and I would have been a worship pastor. I'd run teams and all this different stuff. It all fit into what it was like right in my wheelhouse. And so I just sat down with a developer and I was like, here's what it needs to do. And we just created, you know, what you see now. And, you know, it's funny, like since then, like people have kind of caught onto that, but it's like, we were just shooting in the dark. We we're like, we don't know how to get licensing. We probably need to get licensing. We're going to need to be able to do this <laughs> and you do that. And, uh, and so it was a total faith venture. I worked in a dark studio, like covered in moving blankets just for, for audio. You know, I was like shoestringing it to the nines and, uh, yeah. And then we, we launched it and people came and then, uh, and since then now we've grown to, uh, to bass lessons, keyboard lessons, drum lessons. And what we do is we take, we take these songs that have 30 tracks on them, which, which you can easily see, you know, people are buying tracks and all this kind of thing to make this happen. And oh, yeah. we, we really believe that like, no, like the fun of music is playing music. And the, right. one of the coolest things about leading corporate worship is that we're all engaged with each other. And so, you know, we chose the name worship artistry because it's like, we want to help people become uh, just better musicians. So we take these like huge arrangements and we arrange them down to a five piece so that one electric guitar player can play all the main parts. And we tell them, this is, if you play this here and then you add this here and then you add this here, it all comes together and boom, there's the song. And then we do the same thing with bass and drums and keys. And uh, man, it, in a live situation, you can hardly tell the difference. So it's a, uh, Anyway, so once again, long answer. I'm going to be doing this. Sorry, guys. That's, That's a lot. Okay. Does that answer That's your okay. question? That's a long, <laughs> very long answer. This makes our job easier. But, uh, <laughs> but I did like what you said about, you know, hey, you don't really need to rely on tracks. Like, that's not really the fun part of music. And Bradley, I guess you can speak to this as we haven't used tracks here at, at Res. Even, you know, we probably couldn't keep up with them because we have to restart the the click track at least once a Sunday, uh, which, is, which is awesome in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I, I grew up in, in worship leading and part of worship teams and where we didn't have all this. I mean, I, I've said many times before, if I'd have had YouTube and I was learning to play guitar, I mean, my goodness. Yeah. You know, I had to just figure it out um, on my own. But it, I think the... The beautiful thing about what you're doing, Jason, is that it it allows people that, you know, maybe aren't necessarily at a professional skill level to be a part of a team, be a part. I mean, that's that's what we do is, is the church gathers and we worship together, we sing together and we play together. And it's it's very difficult to take a musician in particular that has not, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of experience being being a role player on a band and, and playing something complimentary. They might just, well, they know G, C, and D and the truth. And so let's, let's go, I'm going to bang it out. But no, you, websites like what you're doing allows them to go, oh, this is, this is a part I can play. And so you're able to teach musicians how to be a part of a larger whole uh, and complement each other. And I, I, I just think that's beautiful. I, I love your story too. I love how you just, you know, I almost want to say stumbled and fell into this, but yet we know God took all those years of scattered, I'm doing this over here and that over here, and he, and this is what he does, right, is he sovereignly brings it together in something that's beautiful 
and synergistic in his kingdom that you're I, I love that I, I, I think uh, your your life story sort of mirrors what we're talking about with a band and a worship team these different pieces coming together make one sound one tree sing about one tree God so yeah I, I'm I'm like you, Jason. I talk my way to conclusions. So, <laughs> they have to me a lot. <laughs> so, uh, so Jason, what's what's the importance of showing up to a rehearsal or to a uh, the actual set or service, if you will? Uh, I guess we can say set, even though that feels kind of weird. Um, why is it so important to show up prepared for that? Shouldn't we be uh, free to just kind of wing it? I feel like you're leading me to an answer there, but a little bit. <laughs> just just roll with it, man. Okay, I, I won't. Know. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I, I I think that there is it really your context really matters. Yeah. Right? Um, if you are if you are at a church and you got you know I I worship I was an assistant worship pastor at a church we had we would have two thousand on a Sunday and that was four services and it was like man you better show up and know what you're doing. Because you've got to, you only have this like hour to just make sure it's all dialed in and then boom, and then we go. And then, you know, first, you know, you don't want your first service to be the practice for all the rest of them. You know, you want, you want to Even do a good job. Even though we all know it really is. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be. That's the thing. Right? <laughs> um, you know, and, and it, you know, when you're dealing with sound systems and full bands and all these things, there's all these extra things you have to have. Now, in other scenarios, like, okay, so the church that I lead worship at now, um, I helped plant like 11 years ago, I think it's been. And, you know, it's, we intentionally keep it small. It is like no place I've ever been. Like the way that we set it up is it's, you know, we're on the floor, the cross is in the middle, sitting on a table. I've got the soundboard right in front of me and we're all just, we're all just gathered around it singing, right? So mm -hmm. it's a different scenario. I don't have a sound man way back here. And I'm not like working with monitors. I'm just hearing the house sound. And I've got a small group. And, like, we don't have a ton of musicians. So I've got my, you know, my, my kid that's playing guitar here and this girl over here that's playing keyboard. And, and we, we, we get in that environment and we can spend enough time practicing and kind of feel it out a little bit more. And really, you know, what's going on with the community? How do we, how do we build sets around what's happening with the community? And, um, and I don't know. It's like it's it's just a it's a different scenario. So when you say like showing up prepared, I think there's two pieces to it. It's yeah. Like you have you have your your actual music musical ability, and that might mean hey, I know all the songs. I know all six songs that we're gonna do. I already know. And we're just gonna start. We're gonna hit play because I'm trying to be respectful of everyone's time that's around me, and it's totally unfair to the guy who's been working all day on you know just worked ten hours and then showed up and he's like, all right, I practiced and then. You know, the 15 year old kid shows up and is like, oh, what song are we doing? You know, like, like that's, that's not fair. Right. Um, yeah. But then there's also just the, just the heart side and like, and showing up and being prepared and, and being willing to be open to what's happening in that moment as well. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, one of the most uh, uh, interesting, doesn't seem the right word, inspiring, maybe uh, sounds a bit fluffy, but uh, things I've seen recently was, uh, I was reading an article on stage presence in worship, uh, actually reading a, a couple of them. Um, and one of the... Do they have to be wrapped or can they be in bags? <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, it depends on how much time you have. God. <laughs> I'm so I always, sorry. I always go bags because, like, we pick up the present on the way to, like, the birthday party. Right. And just, like, shove it in the thing. <laughs> um, no, the, the most, like, inspiring point was that rehearsal is, is a form of worship as well. It may not be a worship service. I mean, you may not have uh, um, prayer, message, so on and so forth, but it can very much be an expression of worship as well. And, uh, and I think that's what I'm hearing from you, Jason, is, is that not only on the service Sunday morning, but in rehearsal as well, uh, that you come uh, with, uh, with hands and heart prepared. And I think that's a really important point to, uh, to emphasize is uh, um, what's, what's your slogan for worship artistry? I, uh, it's bring your best. It's it, bring your best, but there's, there's a piece that's like, you have the heart We'll teach oh, yeah. you the skill. Yep, that's Something also like there. That. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think I think that's the that's like the core of of the issue when we start talking about like preparedness and excellence in uh, in serving worship is uh, is that skill and heart piece. Um, well, you can't you can't get away you can't get away from skill when it comes to music. You just can't do it. You know, uh, you'd love to sit there and say, okay, Bob's got the greatest heart in the world. And now he's going to come up and he's going to lead us in song. And you might like love Bob, but if, it, if his guitar is out of tune and if he can't keep a rhythm, it's really hard to sing with him. They're just really practical aspects yep. of, of skill. And it's like you you need that. And and not coming from a consumeristic standpoint where you're like, okay, I you know I'm just sitting here and impress me. Not at all. But sometimes there, there is a certain line where it's like, okay. You, you need to sing remotely on pitch if you're going to lead yeah, other sure. people. You need to be able to. I mean, play. We, we don't we don't need Bob to be Lincoln Brewster. Like no, that, that, we're not fact, asking Bob to, to to shred. Probably but, better that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, I got a question for you. Sure. Um, like, you know, I, I see musicians being like on a spectrum. There, there's some that are, you know, really really skilled and also creative and artistic. Um, you know, there's some that you know. They do good to just get through a chord chart you put in front of them. You know, mm -hmm. they're 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 more technical in that sense. And then there are people that are in the middle. Um, but I, I found <clears throat> I don't know if you've experienced this, but the musicians that I've worked with that are more creative, they're more ear players, um, they're more artistic in that way. There's a little there can be from some a little bit of pushback uh, with preparedness and with like. Uh, particularly, say, watching a video on worship, worship artists, artistry and learning a specific part, and, and a musician in that vein might feel limited by that or constrained by that. Um, have you ever faced that with musicians you've worked with where they're like, I just want to come out, I just want to play what I feel. I want to play whatever is coming to mind and, and, and whatever I feel in the moment, and they don't, they don't see that you know, that can be a train wreck when you're playing with other people. Even if what you're doing is good and it doesn't mix with what the other guitarist or the bassist is doing, that's could be a train wreck. So can you speak to that? Have I experienced that? I have been that. <laughs> <laughs> Even um, better, you can speak to it. That's good. Yeah, so so I think, um, so it's, it's really interesting. I think there's a couple pieces to this. One is to your point of, of playing in a band. And it doesn't matter whether you are playing in a church band or whether you're playing in a rock band or any, like any time you get together with a group of people, right? Everybody has to be on board with the same 
goal, right? We're trying to serve this song. And if, you know, if guitar player over here, like wants to, this to be a metal band, but it's not a metal band, yep. you, you're, you're, you're not helping us, right? Like go join a metal band if that's what you really want to do. Um, judging me, Jason. <laughs> emo, whatever, whatever you guys do. <laughs> Not emo. Screamo. What's the? I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the other things are called. Um, but um, you know, so everyone is kind of is is supposed to be pitching into that same thing, right? And so I don't know why when we come to church and we play in the worship band that all of a sudden that's supposed to change. And uh, oh well, no, man, I'm just going to shred my way through this, and like that's no band gets to do that. But I think that's also a symptom of of the fact that most people don't have experience playing in bands anymore. Church is like one of the few places that you go to play with other people. You know, you got your school band, mm -hmm. and then like even like like rock bands now, they're like thrown together by well, we're going to bring in these studio players, and you know, like it's just it's uh, I don't think band creation is is as quite organic with everything as it is. So there's not near as many opportunities to play. Like church is the place that I'm like, kids can get in and actually play with other people and learn how to do this. And then you can go take it and use it anywhere. So I think that's one piece. And I think the other piece is finding a way to, uh, to express on your instrument what is in your heart while still playing the notes that are kind of required. Um, you know, when you like, when we teach a song on worship or right, I'm going through, there's a ton of guys, there's a ton of stuff in a song that doesn't matter, right? If I pull up a worship song, I guarantee you there's going to be four guitars in there that are all just going like, it's just looking at you, Phil Wickham. And I, and, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, we did. What was his song that we just did? Uh, Living Hope, I think is what it's called. Oh was, yeah. The new one. I was just like, there's like seven layers of guitars. What do I play? <laughs> you know? We got it though. We got it. It took some work, but yeah. but the thing is, um, but it comes to it comes all. So there's some of those things that don't. It, it's just gonna play up here, play in this frequency. I'm on the lesson. I'm showing you like, oh, just just play this part right here. This is kind of a mix of these two parts, and and this will work. And then you can expand. But the idea being that you can actually expand outside of it. That if I'm gonna take a lead line, like I can play that line entirely in spirit and then still make it my own. I can add a little bit of this. I can add an extra note here. I can add energy. I can dig into it and I can make it mine. And then and a so little what, pinch harmonic at the end to make it a little more metal. Yeah, yeah just a little finger tapping maybe even. Just a little, you know. Um, it's like my guitar impressions. Um, and so, yeah, and that's in that scenario, it's like, okay, take this song. But you, I don't know, in a lot of things I feel like you don't know what you don't know, right? And so like, if you just start a song from scratch and you go like, okay, this is how my band is expecting me to play this song. I'll just make up a lead line for that first intro. Who cares? Instead of actually taking it. Whereas if I go and I have the knowledge of it and I go, okay, this is how an artist took a lot of time and decided to record it, you know? And it doesn't have to be the best thing in the world, but it's just, that's the part of the song as it was recorded. That was what they wanted to communicate. And if I start there, if I learn that, if I have that expertise, then that gives me freedom to go and do other things and and build off of it. But I think there's just something about having that experience and having that understanding. Like I've got a friend of mine who's a brilliant bass player. Uh, his name's Adam Mitchell, and he is he played uh, he went to school for seven years on bass. He could play all this crazy jazz stuff. And I talked to him after he graduated. And he was always one of those guys that was like 
this stuff's too simple, blah, 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 you know? And he finally like came around to it. And he, and he, I was talking to him afterwards and he goes, man, I went to school to seven years to go bump, 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 you know, like <laughs> he's like, but that's what the song needs. And like, I've learned that that's what it is. And so I hope that, I, I don't know if that answers your question. It does. I mean, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking about this video that I watched on YouTube and anybody listening could go find it. Don Moen with his band. Oh, yeah. Don't, over, Josh, don't overplay with yeah, Don Moen. Don't overplay. Yeah. I mean, and Don Moen, I mean, no offense, but I mean, I, I'm not into Don Moen worship songs that much. I mean, they're, they're okay. My mom uh, loved them. Yeah. My, my dad, mom did too. And they're a little simple. But what I loved about that video is he's got some players. Right. Mm -hmm. And when he starts out the video by talking about how you've got to do what fits the song. You've got to do what fits with the song and with the band and, and, and the artist that you're working with. So he starts out one of his songs, and you've got these players, man, that are playing very simple things that are complementing each other, and it sounds great. And then he turns them loose. <laughs> and they start going off and, and and as a musician you can pick out what they're doing and appreciate the skill level there but it, it sounds like a big mess mm -hmm. you know when they're all overplaying and and i think it, teaching a band and and musicians to appreciate freedom within structure is one of the most difficult challenges being well, a worship leader i think well and the other thing too is you know, a, the one, one well, and there's a number of ways, but one of the main ways that a worship band is really different than a rock band or if you're a pro band or whatever, you're not playing with those people every night. You're not playing with the same four guys mm -hmm. or four gals or whatever. Like you are, you, you are often, well, sometimes I play with this bass player and sometimes I play with this bass player. And now mm -hmm. we're all coming in and trying to gel as a band when we're really a group of musicians, like I like, I like calling it the worship team because it's like, we're a team. We got to all come together and make this yep. thing happen. And, and it, we're, yeah, we're not playing in bars all week. So we don't, I can't just like look, you know, kind of make this one face and be like, and now he's going to rock into that drum fill, you know, like yep. you're kind of built and you spend time together. You spend time practicing that stuff comes like I've got players that I'm, that I can do that with on my worship team. Cause I'm like, mm -hmm. here I go. Just follow me, you know, like there's that freedom there because we've, we've played enough, but a lot of worship teams don't have that experience. So within, uh, playing to serve the song, how important is it also to, uh, find appropriate guitar or, or bass tones even, um, I'm not necessarily saying, Hey, promote my pedal that you use on worship artistry, even though it is pretty awesome that you use an E89, just by the way, you can get one for two forty nine ninety nine at Westminster effects.com. Um, I use one but, too. Just saying that. I, love it. <laughs> so I have good. no idea what that is. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, at res, we, we have, uh, three electric players, including myself and my wife who, uh, like we have a little bit more alternative uh, musical taste, so we end up playing uh, almost airing on the side of a little bit gainier than everybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, and then especially if Bradley's playing acoustic, he's just destroying the guitar, uh, like literally putting a hole in it by playing so hard. <laughs> um, so we, we tend to just play a little harder while other contexts, uh, 
it ends up being that they play with less gain. Maybe they uh, maybe they they're playing in a more slightly more traditional setting, or maybe they've got an older crowd that just doesn't like uh, a metal zone, for example. Because <laughs> everybody loves a metal zone for a DS one. Um, so how important is it, and what's your general process on finding a good tone uh, when you're figuring out how to play a song? Okay, so I'll say that. Oh, I'll say this first. I love my E89. Yes. It booted great. It booted another overdrive that I had for a long time that I love. I can't bring myself to sell it, but it's I have to keep it around. But like the E89 is there's so many options on it like and it's so satisfying when you get the tone. And I and I want to say that about guitar tone or bass tone or whatever. Like there is something really satisfying about dialing in your sound in a way that inspires you to play well. Yeah. And you just um, you just hit yes. that that chord or that lead line. It's just like yes, yep. right. That's there's, that's how it's supposed to sound. Right. There's there's joy in it, and it does affect the way that you play. Like it it, mm -hmm. it feeds into it, right? Um, you know, for a number of years, when Worship Artistry first started, I was in this tiny little studio thing. I'm still in a small studio, but it's just different. But um, I couldn't get an amp in there and like not destroy the camera microphone. So I was like, okay, what do I do here? So. Um, so I ended up using GarageBand and just was modeling it, using modeling stuff. I had to go into these little computer speakers. And then when I finally got things set up, and it was fine. Like, I was able to teach the songs. Video sounded great. They totally were a utilitarian purpose, and they were fine. Um, that being said, when I finally got my Vox AC30 in there and then got to put together a couple stomp boxes and play that way, the amount that I enjoyed just creating electric guitar lessons was so much more because it was like, oh, that just sounds so good, you know? Sure. And so, so tone does matter. Like it's like how you, how you go about it. Like sometimes I think people just don't even think about it. There's like, oh, let's use the presets on my boss thing. You know, the one that's like chorus and delay for days, like <laughs> that's with over, over the metal zone sound, like. <laughs> the presets never work. I don't know who sets those things up, but they are never good. Um, as as but, we say in the South, bless their hearts. Yeah, bless, <laughs> bless their hearts for that tone. Thanks, boss. Uh, but the um, – so, okay, so that that piece is, is important. It's more important than I think sometimes people give it credit. However, I also look at it and go, man, if you are so hung up on getting, you know, your, your – your, uh, you know, your double, you know, I got, I can only play well if I've got like my stereo amps and I've got this reverb oh, yeah. coming only out of this back corner. Like, like guys, like we're not playing, we're usually not playing in multi-million dollar sound systems where this really matters, right? So there's kind of finding that place of like with tone, like where do you find joy? Where do you, where can you be inspired and not get so hung up on, it's not exactly like this record. And it's like, well, yeah, that's because it's not going through a board that costs this much and it's not. And also, you're not a pro. Like, like also, <laughs> there is something to be said for that. You know, there's part of that. So, I think there's a balance for it. Um, you know, that being said, things that I think that are important when you're when you are dialing in tone is uh, like I spend way longer dialing it in now, like for my videos, than I used to because I used to I'd be garage bench, boop boop boop, hit that button. Okay, this is kind of my standard setting. Whereas now I'm working with this E89 and I'm like, okay, I have all these overdrive possibilities 
which one fits this song the best. And I'm totally doing it for myself, guys. I'm not doing it for anybody else. Like, yeah, nobody else cares. At the end of the day, that needs to be said. Nobody cares. Right. At the end of the day, I am editing my own videos. And so I want it to sound good while I'm yep. sitting there editing my videos. And so, um, so that, you know, that, that, that also plays a piece into it too. Um, but you can really get by, like, especially with the guitar, right? It's like, hey, if you have a good amp tone and you've got a decent overdrive and, you know, you got to have your delay and your reverb and you don't need to be, you don't need to have all Strymon pedals or whatever, or you don't need all Westminster effects. You know, you can you can no, just have your real though. couple ones I'll in let, there. I'll <laughs> let it know. Couple couple ones in there. Yeah, forget I strive in nothing. I don't. I didn't say the word all. Yeah, um, uh, I just got fired. Okay, so um, I was like, send those pedals back. You lost uh, your discount, bro. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I think so. I do think tone tone does play a point. You know, especially like you can't. You don't want to be too out of character, right? Like you don't want to kick in on your, on your, on your stuff. And the other thing is you got to watch your volumes, right? So if you're gain staging and that kind of thing, like you don't want to hit your one pedal and have it drop your sound and then hit another one and have it blow the sound guy off his door. Like, I didn't know that was coming. You know, like you kind of have yeah. to be respectful yeah, in that way too. Unity gain. Right. Unity gain across the board. I yeah. mean, that's, that's kind of the idea. Hey, while we're on the topic of tone, there's one thing I wanted to ask uh, a couple other things, but the one thing that I was really interested in is the changing knobs or lack thereof on your Telecaster? <laughs> so, uh, so my the knobs on my tele. So I, it's not a real Telecaster. It's like a parts caster. Okay. So one of my guitar students got into guitar building and one day just showed up with it, and I was like, "This is awesome." He's like, "Here, you can." It have sounds that. awesome, by the way. Um, it, it sounds it sounds bigger and thicker and more real than any other Tele I've ever heard. It's so you know what it is. Down. It's it's the combination. So so the secret to that is. Um, it's got a, it has a Seymour Duncan mini bucker in the neck. Mm -hmm. So it's not the full humbucker, so it doesn't blow you away when you switch over to it. And then in the bridge, there initially was a different pickup in there, and I put in a Jerry Donahue Telecaster, which is also a Seymour Duncan, which is just louder and has just mm -hmm. a little bit more hair to it. And so, uh, and, and they combine really well in the middle position too. So because the volumes are really closely matched, you actually get a different tone versus like a lot of fenders I'll hear. It's like you got your ice pick you know, bite on yeah. the bridge and then yep. you switch your humbucker. And then if you put it in the middle, you're just hearing your humbucker basically. Right. Mm -hmm. So it kind of gives me a lot of different options there. Um, the, the knobs just, they always fall off. So I just got tired of it. <laughs> I just <left> them off. <laughs> but I will say one of the things that I love about that telecatcher, I don't know if you noticed is uh, the way he wired it up and I didn't ask him to do this. He just did this. Is the control put, plates he, backwards. Right. Yeah. Which is amazing because every time I play a Telecaster, I'm strumming and then I hit the thing and I go from like one tone to the other by accident. Like, mm -hmm. it's brilliant. I don't know why you would ever do it the other way. <laughs> I don't understand. That's awesome. Well, uh, to shift gears uh, briefly, uh, you, you do have the Worship Artistry podcast, mm -hmm. which is good, solid worship leading stuff, like pretty much anything regarding worship leading right mm -hmm. yeah um, and then you also just started the tuning room where i mean it's basic basically you sit down with your guitar and a microphone and you just go at it right mm -hmm. so how did that come about oh uh, so okay so okay a couple of years ago um i was in a 
I was in a monster faith crisis. Like, like I full on was sitting there with my wife going, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. And you know, that's something that you, you always want to hear your worship pastor and (laughs) worship guitar instructor say, um, and, and what had really happened was, is I had spent a lot of time thinking about God. I'd spent a lot of time talking about God and I hadn't spent a lot of time actually just waiting for him to speak to me and, uh, and creating that space in my life. I just, I, my, it was like, it was like, it was, everything was too full. And so I was serving God, I was doing all these things, but I was just like, I couldn't wrap my brain around. Like I, my, my hang up was, I don't understand how you can let all these people do these horrible things in your name. I just, if it were me, if I was God, I would not let that happen. Like, you know, and, and I just, it, it was crushing me inside. And, um, and through that, but I, I leaned in, you know, went and sat down with my pastor. I'm like, so, uh, I don't think I believe in God anymore. And he's like, how old are you? I'm like, oh, I'm like 37. He's like, yeah, that's about right. Um, <laughs> So he was very patient with me and, uh, he and I have been friends for a really long time. And, um, but God really met me in that time. And, um, and I, and I started getting into a rhythm of, of just every day, just sitting and listening, picking up my guitar, just in response to what I, like, I, I, I would, I would just be quiet. I'd literally just sit there in silence and just wait. And I, you know, I'd, pull from different devotionals and that kind of stuff. And then, but my natural response as a musician, as a songwriter is to just pick up my guitar and just play like that's, I'm not trying to write songs in those time, but it's just, that was my response thing. And, um, and so, uh, fast forward two years and, you know, I've written a bunch of songs. We do them in my own church, which is a really small environment, but I just realized like, you know, being with worship artistry, I see all the new stuff that comes across the desk, right? And there, you can feel like you're getting bombarded with all these songs that are great. Like the heart is there, that they're well-written, they're all these things, they're, but they're meant for a big room. They're, I call it like they're meant for big room worship. They're meant for all of us to gather, all of us to sing, one voice, whatever. And, um, and that is awesome. That's amazing. Uh, but I, I feel like there's this real gap in, in the, in what I would call small room worship, which is meant more, you know, in, to be more intimate, to be more personal, to be, um, less kind of built on these, like on this big chorus and more just kind of saying a little bit more, you have a little more room in a smaller context to be able to, uh, I want to say, let's see. You have a little more room in that context to like explore words and explore meaning of things like, because you're not having to sit there and go, I need everybody to, to understand every single word of this, the moment they sing it, you know, like I understand it because I'm sitting right. I, you guys did that podcast on reckless love, right? Yeah. And, yep, yep. and I was thinking about, it was great. It was the first one I listened to. And I was like, Oh man, I'm scared to go on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, I was thinking about it like, and, and then that's that's when you decided to take that song off of worship artistry, right? No, I'm just no, I, no, I'm I just didn't kidding. actually. I can go into the long <laughs> description of that, but but like, okay, but here's the thing, right? Like, Corey Asbury writes this song. He he, as the worship pastor in his own community, has the opportunity to give context to that song. 
Sure. Right. Um, and so he can talk about what reckless means to him mm-hmm. and bring the community along in that thing, because like communication is just imperfect. And so, but now we have this thing where it's like, no, we just got to put out the song and everybody's got to get it. And it's going out to like millions of people, you know, on this, on this album that comes out and you kind of lose that, like you kind of lose your voice. Like now the only thing that gets to speak is the song. Right. So does like, yeah. does that make, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Uh, but it's also, it, there's a piece that's missing there. And so what I wanted to do with the tuning room is take these songs that I'm allowed to give context to like, okay. So for example, I'll give you an example. Like, so I just did this song called once a sinner on the most recent one. Right. And, and the, it's a, it's a story. It starts off. It's, it says, I was once a sinner. I was lost. Um, you know, clinging to my sickness and my death would be the cost. I was once a sinner. And then it goes through this whole thing of salvation and it finishes and it says, I was once a sinner. I was lost. My plea is now forgiven and my crest and empty cross. I was once a sinner. And so if I just put that song out, right. And if I just go like, okay, here's going to be the latest song. There's going to be people that struggle with, what do you mean? You were once a sinner. You still sin. Right. Right. But the song is about being named. And it's about what does God name us, right? Mm-hmm. And so in a small context, I can do that. When I'm sitting there playing for myself and playing just me and Jesus, I can do that. Uh, with the podcast, the whole point of the podcast was really to just try and inspire, not to like not to put out songs. There's no like, I want to be an artist now, or I want this song to just take off and blow up. I like this is I, this is your solo career starting, right? No, it's not. That's that's the thing. Like I, you know, I there was a dream I had forever of like I want to write songs for the church, you know, and I want to like have these big things. And and God just really spoke to me over a period of time. I was like, no, I want you to write songs for your church. And so that looks really different than writing than trying to write something for the Mega Millions. Because sure. we use different language. We speak differently. Like a lot of the songs that we do on Worship Archery, I don't do at my own church because we live in this pocket of the Pacific Northwest. And we don't talk like those. Like I'm sitting there, I'm going like, Lynn would never say that that way. It's truth. It's true. But that's not the way that she would own that statement. You know, mm. this is just somebody in my church, right? So, um, so all in all, all I have to say is the point of the podcast is really like, Here's what I do in my own personal times. I'm just going to share it with you. And I really, it really did feel like uh, I was terrified to do it because I was like, I don't want people to think that this is this one other thing. I don't want to try and put a name on all this stuff. I don't want to prostitute my private worship times (laughs) and turn them into something, you know, like (laughs) that was not the intention either. And so, um, so that's not, so what I do is I, it's basically I prepare a small little worship set and my hope is that people listen to it. And just experience um, what that small room worship is like, you know, and and are kind of reminded of it. And then my hope is that it inspires people to have their own experience and do that as well, because that prepares me way more for Sunday, even than sitting there and learning a guitar riff. Let me say something here. If we're over time, feel free to edit this out. I won't be offended what I'm about to say, but I I hope and pray that every worship leader listening to this, here's what you're saying. Here's your heart in, in that. Because I, I think, honestly, that the church would do well 
um, and I mean the church capital C, to acknowledge the differences between the, the large group setting and the smaller group setting and the values there. As you're talking, I'm thinking of Jesus telling the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, I think it is, and he tells it to this massive crowd, and the, the, the parable is all about the sower who's him going out and indiscriminately sowing seed, and some's falling on good soil and some's not. But then a few from within the crowd, his disciples namely, press in to him, and they say, Jesus, we didn't understand the parable. And he goes, you've got the secret of the kingdom. Like that, that was his response to them, to which if I'd have been standing there, I would have gone, what, what secret do I get? I didn't understand the parable, but I think the point is that those who pressed in realized that whatever was coming out of Jesus's mouth mattered. And if I don't understand it, I need to press in for more. And, and I think that's why context is so important. I think when we, when we stand up in front of a congregation, big or small, um, I'm not disparaging large settings, but I think context is important regardless because we, we need to be able as worship leaders to, you know, not only just lead people through a song musically, but lead them to engage the words because the words we're singing matter uh, and they matter really only to the degree that they're rooted in scripture. But these, these things matter. The truth that we're singing together matters and there needs to be context and and I realize the differences in size and, and the limitations that can go along with that but to every worship leader listening what to whatever degree you can contextualize people in the music that you're leading that that is so important and it's so huge um, because you know we talked about reckless love and there are at least parts of reckless love that can be sung with Biblically rooted thinking, uh, if you contextualize that for people, and um, I, I just think that's huge. I love, I love your heart, man, and what what you're doing with the tuning ring. I think that's, I think that's awesome. Thanks, man. Don't if you're gonna have to edit somebody, edit me. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll let it slide. Just cut right. out that whole first it's, question. Whatever seriously, that one was. seriously, edit it out if it's too long. But no, it'll it'll be fun that. because I think it's important to say is that. Um, this should be the uh, the approach, the mindset uh, that all who serve in the church, whether in in worship or not, uh, come from. And so, uh, having having that that heart for God and contextualizing the the imagery, the music, the whatever we use, uh, is 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 vital. So yeah, it's it's staying in. I don't care how long it is. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so, I mean, Jason, I have I have one uh, really important question for you before we get to our kind of winding down stuff. Music stands or not? Ooh. <laughs> uh, okay, that's a. Okay. I was going to ask about dress code, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about this instead. Oh, uh, yeah, music music stand is great. Um, okay, so so here are my thoughts on this. Um, I think we need to be really understanding of the people that we're asking to play music and the, the extent to which we're asking them. Um, you know, ideally in a perfect, I don't ever use a music stand. Like I know, I know my songs, like the back of my hand, I have the, I have the, 
PowerPoint thing right in front of me so I can at least see the words and make sure that the words I remember are still the, like, I write the, I write a lot of the songs and I'm like, wait a minute, that was version seven. Shoot. Uh, <laughs> dang it, you know, whole different thing. Um, so, uh, so I, you know, so I'm, I understand the value of not sitting there and staring at a music stand because you can engage more. You can do that, uh, do all that. Right. Um, at the same time, I totally, we use the, uh, I don't know if you guys use the on song app. Like I use that all the time with my players. I let them use it basically because they can just switch like, oh, okay, I want to be on capo three and I, and now I, we're going to change in this key or, oh, let's have you lead this song. So we're going to drop Bradley, it. We're going to have like, to look into this app. <laughs> um, oh, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's so great. Like it takes a while to, I had to put all my, my charts in courier font to make it work, but uh, that was a little frustrating. <laughs> it doesn't display them in courier. It's not I'm ugly. Seriously, looking up this app right now. On my oh, phone. it's fan it's fantastic. Um, it's kind of like so we, you know, our church. We don't have a ton of money. We bought some used iPads, and then we just have like the and I put together the set, and they just swipe aside, and they can we can work with it. With you know, I roll in and I'm like, oh man, this key sounded really great when I was singing it in my office, but. Uh, man, it's, we should probably bump it up about two more steps. Like, we just need to be able to do that, right? Um, For sure. Changing keys on the, yeah. on the fly. Oh. Yeah. oh, man. But you should, I will say this, though, and I say this on Worship Artistry all the time, you still need to know how to do it. Just get good at it, and then it's not a problem. Uh, <laughs> it goes back to Nashville having expertise in something. Required. Nashville number system. There you go. Any key if we're going up, I don't have as much of a problem. But if we're going down and a riff has an open uh, string. Oh, in yeah. It, like if you're going below the nut. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, Cody, nice... Cody, worshipartistry.com has got you covered. I got a whole lesson. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I got a whole lesson. It's in the 101 section. It's about transposing lead riffs. And it's What's like that lesson, Cody? once you get it, it's, you got it. Um, anyway, all I have to say is... Uh, I also recognize that the the people that I'm asking to show up have other lives and that their whole life doesn't revolve around their church. And I look at it as my job as, as a worship pastor, especially as somebody who is, you know, like paid a little bit that like the part that pays me is not the part of leading worship. It's the part of where I go and make my life easier for everyone else on my team. So it's when I show up and get the sound system all geared up or small thing, I got to set the sound system up every week. So like, Boom! I get in there and take care of that, so they can just come in and have fun. Same thing with the uh, same with thing with the music stands. Like we're not standing on a stage, so it makes it a little easier. It's not as obvious, but you know, if you're just asking people to like roll in and like you want them to play confidently, right? So if they don't have time to memorize all the seven songs or whatever that you got coming in, like I don't think you should be like, sorry, you're out. Let's get the let's get the kid that doesn't do anything else in his life. And get him in here. <laughs> right. Well, we don't want to take up your. Is this still morning where you are? Uh, yeah. 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 Way way out on the left coast. Uh, so we. I, I know I'm kind of blindsiding you with this, but we uh, typically throw out recommended reading at the end of every episode. Uh, do you have anything that you would suggest anybody read? Whether it's just like, hey, go read the Bible, or maybe something <laughs> specific to worship leading. Um, you know, I, I don't have anything very specific to worship leading, but sure. in, in quietness and confidence by David Roper is the, is the book that, that first, uh, brought me to that place of listening and being quiet mm -hmm. and, um, and finding confidence and letting God kind of do 
what he's going to do. So that was kind of my gateway into spending that time. It's just like 30 days, just real like short things, but they're really beautifully written. He's like a fly fisherman in Montana. And it's like, everything's just so peaceful <laughs> and calm. I'm just like, I don't really like fishing all that much, but I don't Fair know. Enough. I kind of want, I kind of want to be out there fly fishing. That sounds great. <laughs> what you got, John? Uh, today, mine is, uh, it's a very utilitarian book uh, called Fretboard Roadmaps, published by Hal Leonard, uh, written by Fred Sokolov. Uh, it's Circle of Fifths, Learn the Circle. I mean, you don't have to buy the book. Just go online, learn the Circle of Fifths. Uh, it was uh, incredibly helpful for me uh, nailing that, that concept and being able to navigate the fretboard uh, more comfortably. Um, also, I would like to say that also worshipartistry.com, when I started getting back into uh, church music uh, years ago, uh, was one of the first resources I went and have been a follower ever since. Nice. Awesome. awesome. Bradley? I'm going to recommend an article this week instead of a book. Um, it, it's an article that I read um, actually not that long ago. I've been sort of meditating on this this you know kind of mysterious connection that happens with um, you know our feelings and our emotions in worship and also what we know the truth that we're we're uh, singing about uh, about God. I went over Psalm 100 with our staff today, uh, where there's the commands to make joyful noises and to come into His presence with gladness and singing, uh, and all of those command the commanded affection is rooted in what we know about God. And so there's an article on desiringgod.org uh, by Rob Coughlin called How Not to Worship Your Worship. And he really dives into uh, this, this thing about, you know, we're supposed to feel when we worship. I mean, God's not interested in just emotionless or affectionless worship. Um, and he's also not interested in you know, some emotional experience that's not rooted in truth. So it's both and, it's not either or. And I think that article, it's not that long. So for those of you that uh, maybe don't dive into, you know, books that are long or whatever, here's a short thing for you to read, How Not to Worship Your Worship by Rob Coughlin. And I'm going to go uh, also the Hal Leonard route. Uh, Ooh, with, fancy. with Hal Leonard's guitar method, which I'm I'm in the middle of right now, actually, because I've been playing guitar for 18 years, but I'm also a mid 2000s pop punk and emo kid, so I never got around to actually learning what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> so so this is trying to remedy that a little bit. Um, Jason, we normally don't have uh, the person who actually wrote our outro song. Uh, so give us a little background on your song, Scars, before we uh, bounce out of here. Fantastic song, by the way. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. It's funny how songs will, will transform. You know, when I initially started writing that song, it was about, um, it, I was trying to say how much I appreciated like the scars of my own life, because those were moments where like that God redeemed. That's how that song started. It's not about that at all anymore. Um, <laughs> it took a totally different it turn. It took a totally different turn as all worship songs should and just became about Jesus. And, um, and just that, and just kind of recognizing, I just was trying to draw pictures about, you know, who, who Jesus is. And my favorite line of it is at, is at the end, um, because I think we struggle so much with uh, 
we guilt is a thing that you hear a lot in church you know it's like it's all about how bad we are and all that stuff and it's like but the pursuit of christ you know how he welcomed us home at the at calvary how he chases us wherever we go and then how it you know my favorite line is there there are scars on the on the brow that looks now on me sees only with love without scorn sees only perfection where shame used to be and a crown made of gold not of thorns and i just i think that is so who jesus is and uh, so, yeah, that's that song. Very cool. Uh, so on that note, here is Scars by Jason Houtsma. Ja- Jason, thanks for uh, stopping by, hanging yes, out with you us so a little much. bit today. It's great having you here. Thanks yeah, for having absolutely. me, guys. It was a, it was a blast. Can yeah. we just hang out regularly? Yeah, let's <laughs> you don't have that. To, you don't have to record, <laughs> but we can just hang out, right? We just hang out. <laughs> so if you're actively writing and performing music and would like to be an official Westminster artist and even get your song played, like Jason here, at the end of one of these podcasts, fill out our application at westminstereffects.com. Follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and leave a five-star review, even if it's not an honest five-star review. Just give us five stars. Thanks for listening, guys. There are scars on the hands that reach out to me. They reach me wherever I roam Though they never reach further than old Calvary Where they reached out to welcome me home How I love those scars Every wretched mark Hails the story of your grace I remember your scars so that I won't forget That my own have all been washed away There are scars on the feet that chase after me Find me wherever I run Though I'll never run further than old Calvary For it's there that my soul has been won How I love those scars Every wretched mark Hails the story of your grace I remember your scars so that I won't forget That my own have all been washed away Oh, oh, oh they're washed away Oh, so praise and honor be to my word soul to save every bruise and scar born to win my heart oh my grateful soul bless his name
crown made of gold not of thorn 